I'm going to read to you the first 14 verses of Ephesians chapter 3. For this reason, I, Paul, the prisoner of Christ Jesus, for you Gentiles, if indeed you have heard of the dispensation of the grace of God, which was given to me for you, how that by revelation he made known to me the mystery, as I have briefly written already, by which, when you read, you may understand my knowledge in the mystery of Christ, which in other ages was not made known to the sons of men as it has now been revealed by the Spirit, to his holy apostles and prophets, that the Gentiles should be fellow heirs with the same body, of the same body, and partakers of his promise in Christ through the gospel, of which I became a minister according to the gift of the grace of God given to me by the effective working of his power. To me, who am less than the least of all the saints, this grace was given to me that I should preach among the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ, and to make all see what is the fellowship of the mystery which from the beginning of the ages has been hidden in God, who created all things through Jesus Christ, to the intent that now the manifold wisdom of God might be made known by the church to the principalities and powers in the heavenly places according to the eternal purpose which he accomplished in Christ Jesus our Lord in whom we have boldness and access with confidence through faith in him. Therefore, I ask you that you do not lose heart at my tribulations for you, which is for your glory. Father, we ask that you would, by the power of your spirit, open our hearts and our minds, reveal Christ to us, reveal this gospel, and reveal your grace to us by your spirit. Deliver us. Lord, from the things that hold us captive, that hold us in bondage, that deceive us. Lord, set us free in the glorious liberty that you have given to us in Christ. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so we've gone through two chapters. And uh, here, as we begin chapter 3... Paul says, for this reason, I, Paul, the prisoner of Christ Jesus, for you Gentiles. So, Paul calls himself a prisoner of Christ Jesus. Paul was in Rome, and he was a prisoner in Rome. Now, what you won't see is that Paul never referred to himself as a prisoner of Caesar or a prisoner of Rome. Paul is always referred to himself as a prisoner of Christ Jesus, a prisoner of Christ, the bondservant of Christ. He was literally held captive in the household of Caesar. Uh, He was held captive there in Rome. He was in in chains. He was in prison, and ultimately he was put to death by, uh, by the Roman emperor. But Paul says here an interesting thing, and he does this on purpose, and I think this should inform us, church. Paul says... For this reason, I, Paul, the prisoner of Christ Jesus. Who is he prisoner for? He was a prisoner for you Gentiles. Paul says, I'm a prisoner for you Gentiles. In Acts chapter 21, verse 27, we see the record where when Paul is in the temple and he is preaching, he is teaching, and he is talking about how he has taken the gospel to the Gentiles. It is the Jews from Ephesus that recognize Paul 
and create this big stir in the temple that ultimately gets Paul arrested. And once arrested, Paul ultimately is taken to Rome as a prisoner, and he dies there as a prisoner in Rome, executed under the hand of the Roman Empire. But all this began back in, in Ephesus, when Paul goes to Ephesus and he begins to preach the gospel, and the people are so stirred up, and they're so, he disrupted everything that was happening there, all the pagan worship, and so the Gentiles were upset with him, and the Jews were upset with him, and it caused such a, a stir, such a commotion in the city that they actually had to, to disperse this crowd that was on the verge of having the Romans come and, and arrest everybody and suppress this riot violently. And it was from that episode, it was from Paul being there and preaching the gospel that when he gets to Jerusalem and he's teaching this gospel of grace. Now, now the point is, this gospel of grace is what he refers to. He says, if indeed, in verse 2, if indeed you have heard of the dispensation of the grace of God, which was given to me for you. In other words, assuming that you have heard of this doctrine of grace, this dispensation of the grace of God, what Paul is saying, if indeed you have heard of this doctrine of grace, which was given to me for you. It is this doctrine of grace that Paul has just spent two chapters talking about. And he begins, where does the grace begin? Let's go back to the very beginning of this letter. Now let's look at at Paul's opening words. Paul, verse 1 of chapter 1. Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God, to the saints who are in Ephesus and faithful in Christ Jesus, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Where does grace come from? Grace comes from God the Father. And he says to the saints, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us who has blessed me, who has blessed you. This is what he's writing. Who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ, comma, just as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before him in love. That's grace, church. That's grace having predestined, having foreordained us to adoption as sons by Jesus Christ to himself. Why? According to the good pleasure of his will. That's grace. Why does God love you? Why does God love me? Because it is the good pleasure of his will to do so. The Bible is clear. Paul goes on in, in through, through the rest of chapter 1. He goes into chapter 2 and, and he says, We were dead, but God made us alive. We were in sin, but God raised us up in spite of our sinfulness. That's grace. To the Gentiles, he says, Even though you are Gentiles and far away, God has brought you near by the blood of Christ. You Jews were near. You had the oracles of God. You knew God. You were the people of God. But even though you 
were near in that sense, you too had to be brought by the blood of Christ to be made one. And now, Paul goes on and he writes in chapter 2, he says, now God has broken down the middle wall of separation. There's no longer Jew. There's no longer Gentile. Christ came for the world, meaning he came to save both Jew and Gentile. He came to save all kinds of humanity. And now in Christ, the wall of division has been broken down. And now in Christ, God has created in Christ one new man, making the two one. This is the grace of God. The Gentiles were in the world without hope. They were born Gentiles. They were born apart from the promises of God. They had no hope in the world. But the grace of God came and God brought them by the blood of Jesus and made them his very own. Paul says this is the message of grace. This is why I'm a prisoner. This is the message of the gospel. This is the grace of God. This is the gospel of God that I preached. And because I preached this gospel, I have been made a prisoner for you. Paul wasn't complaining. Paul was glorying in the grace of God. Paul understood the privilege that it was to be a prisoner of Christ Jesus. Now that might sound weird to us. That might sound foreign to us. But Paul understood the honor and the privilege that was given to him when God gave to him the grace of God. This message, this doctrine of grace, this dispensation of grace to be made known throughout the world. For this reason, I, Paul, the prisoner of Jesus Christ, for you Gentiles. And he was rejected and he was reviled. Because he preached the gospel to the Gentiles, which the Jews forbade that they might not be saved and because he taught them that circumcision and the rest of the ceremonies of the law were not binding upon them which gave great offense to the Jews. And this is how he came to be in this circumstance. And the Gentiles were, were stirred up because people began to stop worshiping their idols and their false gods and they began to cast away their idols and turn to the living God. And so Jew and Gentile both wanted to see this gospel go away. For the, this reason I, Paul, the prisoner of Christ Jesus, for you Gentiles, if indeed you have heard of the dispensation of the grace of God which was given to me for you this doctrine of grace, this grace that is given to us in Jesus Christ, which is the gospel that was preached to you, that was declared to you, this free grace of God in the salvation of men. God gave this message to Paul for the Gentiles. How that by revelation, he made known to me the mystery 
how that by revelation, how did this doctrine of grace, how did this revealing of Christ, how did it come to Paul? Paul says, it came to me by revelation. I told you, he said, I have told you how that by revelation this was made known to me. This mystery, how that by revelation he made known to me the mystery this gospel, this doctrine of grace. Remember how Paul was converted? He was riding to Damascus, Syria to arrest Christians, to have Christians arrested and and executed. And on the road to Damascus, Jesus knocks him off of his donkey and he's blinded in the middle of the road. And God speaks to him, the voice from heaven comes and says, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? Lord, who are you? I am Jesus Christ. Why do you kick against the goats? Paul wasn't looking for Jesus But Jesus was looking for Paul. You weren't looking for Jesus, but Jesus was looking for you. You didn't go to Jesus, Jesus came to you. Jesus didn't put a big ladder down from heaven and say, okay, boys, now see if you can climb this. If you're really good, I'll give you some power to get higher. If you try really hard, I'll give you the courage to go even higher. Let's see if you can reach me. No, instead, as I just read to the children, God gave us the law that revealed the absolute impossibility of our becoming righteous on our own. And the law given to us revealed that what we needed was a Savior. Because apart from a Savior coming for us, we have no hope in saving ourselves. So the Savior coming is the grace of God. Paul says, this is the message. This is what was revealed to me. This is the mystery that was made known to me. The revelation came by the Spirit and by Christ. It is the miracle of God giving spiritual sight to the spiritually blind. It is the miracle of God raising the dead to life. That's what happened to Paul. Paul was spiritually blind, and God healed his blindness. Here's the irony. If you, if you read Paul's conversion experience, he could see before he was converted... But once he was converted, he was blinded. And he had to go to Syria blind. He had to go to Damascus blind and go to the house of some guy that he didn't know. And this guy was afraid of him. And he had to have this guy lay hands on him so that those scales would fall from his eyes and he would be able to see. He thought he, was, he, thought he had sight on his way to kill Christians but he was in reality spiritually blind. God converted him. God transformed him. 
and gave him spiritual eyes to see, but closed his physical eyes. And that's the way we often are because we can see physically, we think we're not blind, but in reality, we're often very blind because what we need to be able to see is not just the physical things around us. We need to be able to see by faith those spiritual things, those spiritual truths that make for our salvation in the grace of God. So Paul talks about this mystery that was made known to him by revelation. The mystery is the gospel. It is the mystery of our salvation through the mystery of his grace. It is the mystery of our election in him before the creation and the mystery of our faith. It is the mystery of the triune God, of our union with Christ and with the Father and with the Spirit of one new man from the two. It is the mystery of our righteousness in him. It is the mystery of new life and a new creation in the spirit. It is the mystery of godliness and the mystery of the kingdom of God and of all that entails and all that implies that has a depth that we cannot fathom. But it gives to us a life that is eternal, a life that is now and real, now, in a life that is full and complete in Him. It is a mystery, but it is not hidden from us. But it is made known to us in Christ by His Spirit. Then Paul puts a parenthesis, as I have briefly written already. He's referring to the first two chapters that we've already covered. Paul says, what I've already written to you in this letter is the mystery that I'm talking about. As I have already written, by which when you read, you may understand my knowledge in the mystery of Christ... When you read this letter, when you read the things that I've written to you, that you may understand my knowledge in the mystery of Christ, the mystery of the gospel and all the mystery of his grace and of God and of his kingdom is bound up in the mystery of Christ. That is the person, that is in the person, it's in the office, it's in the authority of who Christ is. So when Christ comes to his disciples just prior to his ascension, what does he say to them? All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go therefore and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. For this reason, I, Paul, the prisoner of Christ Jesus, for you, Gentiles, if indeed you have heard of the dispensation of the grace of God, which was given to me for you, how that by revelation he made known to me the mystery, as I have briefly written already, by which when you read, you may understand my knowledge in the mystery of Christ, which, this mystery, 
which in other ages was not made known to the sons of men as it has been revealed by the Spirit to his holy apostles and prophets. In the dispensation of the old covenant, Christ and the gospel was not absent. This is a misconception. A lot of people think that somehow the Old Testament is not, that's obsolete. We don't need to study that. We don't need to read that because the old has been put away and now God has a new. That is so false. Because in the Old Covenant, in what we call the Old Testament of our Bible, is the gospel. The gospel is contained there. Christ is in. He is on every page of that scripture. When Jesus walked the earth, when Paul and Peter and James and John, when the apostles taught the scripture, they didn't teach from a New Testament. They didn't have a New Testament. They had the Old Testament scriptures, and from the Old Testament scriptures, they revealed Christ to the saints. Just as Jesus, it's recorded, you can go there on your own time, look and read Luke chapter 24, and you'll see that Jesus takes the Old Testament, he says he took the writings and the prophets, he took all of the Old Testament scriptures, and it says that he took his disciples through those scriptures, and he revealed himself to them from the Old Testament scriptures. Christ and the gospel have always been there. They were present through the foreshadowing that God ordained until the fullness of the time would come when God would send forth his son. That's what Galatians 4.4 says. Paul writes, in the fullness of time, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law to redeem those who are under the law. In the fullness of time, God sent forth his son. When did God indicate that he would send his son? You go all the way back to Genesis 3.15. When God says to the serpent, I will put enmity between your seed and her seed. And he will crush your head, though you will bruise his heel. That's Jesus. The first recorded prophecy of the coming of the Messiah. All the way back in the Garden of Eden. And then throughout all of the history of God's people, throughout all of the scripture, there is the presentation of Jesus, the presentation of the gospel. Though it was a foreshadowing God revealed Christ by the Spirit. Paul writes in Galatians chapter 1, verses 15 and 16, when it pleased God to reveal... Let me read that to you. It's an amazing scripture. Galatians chapter 1, verse 15, But when it pleased God who separated me from my mother's womb and called me through His grace to reveal His Son to me, that I might preach Him among the Gentiles... I did not immediately confer with flesh and blood. When it pleased God who separated me from my mother's womb and called me through His grace, 
do you see the picture of grace there? Paul goes all the way back to his mother's womb and says, God called me by his grace. How are you here today, church? You're here today by his grace. The enemy wants to come to you and the enemy wants to remind you of all your failings. He wants to remind you of all your falling down. He wants to remind you constantly of how unworthy you are. He wants to make you believe that if you're not walking just right, if you're not living just right, if you're not doing everything just right, that God is going to get tired of you and God is one day just going to brush you aside and say, I'm done with you. That's what the enemy wants you to believe. But if we understand rightly the grace of God, we understand that the grace of God was given to us before we were ever born. Or else, how could Paul write Ephesians 1.4? And if the grace of God was given to us before we were born, then what did you do to deserve God's grace? And what are you going to do to undeserve his grace and if you think God being God saw all your good things and then decided to save you because of all the good things he saw in the future that you would do then you've just discounted the grace of God because you have now just believed that you earned your salvation that somehow you merited it but but the Bible never teaches us that it never conveys that to us and this is this is the beauty of the grace of God this is what it should give to us is an assurance it should make us stand in awe of who God is we should look at God and just be in utter awe at his love and his grace that's been given to us in Jesus Christ. That when we were God's hostile enemies, God sent his precious, sinless son to die so that our sins could be taken away. Parents, would you send your precious, sinful children to die so that somebody else's sins could be taken away? Somebody that hated you? Somebody that has rejected you, that has willfully suppressed who you are and doesn't want to have anything to do with you, would you send your precious sinful children to die for that person? No, you wouldn't. But God sent his precious sinless son to die for us who Romans, Paul writes in Romans and says, this is who we are. We willfully suppress the truth in unrighteousness. There is none righteous, no, not one. There is no one who seeks after God. We all have gone our own way. We have all gone astray. And we have done it willingly, willfully, delighting in it. But here is God who sent his precious, sinless son while we were delighting in our sinfulness. To die so that our sins could be taken away. So that he could, according to the good pleasure of his will, make us sons to himself 
by Jesus Christ. That's grace. Does that grace make you want to go out and live a sinful life? Does that grace want to make you go out and just throw it in God's face? Or does that grace so amaze you that it humbles you and brings you to a point that you can't even begin to comprehend what God has done for you? And out of that sense of awe and wonder, does that make you want to go tell others of His grace? It should. Because the only hope they have is that they too will hear the gospel and the power of the gospel. Not the power of your message. So I love 1 Corinthians chapter 2 where Paul says, I came to you in weakness, in fear, in trembling, not with words of wisdom of men. In other words, translation is, Paul, didn't, Paul says, I didn't come as a salesman. See, we think it's our ability to sell the gospel that we've got to talk people into believing into Jesus. You can't talk someone into to, to believe into Jesus, to believe in Jesus. You can't talk someone into salvation. You don't have the power to do that. You're not a salesman. God never called you to be a salesman. This is why a lot of people don't like to talk about the gospel, they don't like to talk about God because they feel inadequate. It's like, well, my words aren't very good and I don't, I'm not, not really very versed. Listen, it's not the power of your words that's going to do anything for anybody. And if you think that, unthink that. Change your way of thinking because it's not your ability to communicate well that's going to save anybody. God didn't call you to be a salesman. He called you to be a messenger He just said, deliver the message. You need to know what the message is. How are you going to know what the message is? Here is the message book. The message is here. Read the message. Read the book. Wash your mind with the gospel. Take the gospel in so the gospel can be given out. And you be a messenger and trust in the power of the gospel to salvation. Your words aren't powerful. His words are powerful. Don't give people your words. Give them his word. And trust in the power of his word to bring salvation. This is the mystery that was made known to his holy apostles and prophets so that the mystery of Christ and the mystery of the gospel that was hidden in other ages would now be made known to the sons of men. The fact that Christ and the gospel were a mystery does not mean that they could not be found or could not be known. Paul writes that the gospel was preached to Abraham. The first words of the Bible, in the beginning, God created. That's the gospel. You notice who created? God did. What, what were you doing before the creation? What was man doing before the creation? What was there before the creation that dictated the creation? Well, the only thing that was there before the creation was God. 
In the beginning, God created. That right there, how many words is that? In the beginning, God created. Those five words right there should inform us about everything else that follows in the Scripture. Who started this thing? God did. God did. But Christ and the gospel were hidden, but they were hidden in plain sight with many clues for those who would take the honor of searching out the treasure that God has concealed in his word. Proverbs 25, 2 says it's the honor, it's the glory of God to conceal a matter, it's the honor of kings to search out a matter. Christ and the gospel is concealed throughout the scripture. Will you take the honor to search out the truth? This is the problem today with most Christians. They don't read their Bible. They don't study the Bible. We get our theology from Oprah. We get our theology from the things we read and the things we hear and the things we watch on TV. And quite frankly, most of it is junk. This is where you should get your knowledge of God. And you have the Spirit of God on the inside of you that will take this Bible and illuminate it and reveal truth to you. But if we're too lazy to do that, then we're going to suffer. And if you don't think that the church has become too lazy, look around at our culture and see what's happening. And it will tell you everything you need to know about where the church is in terms of her knowledge of God, her knowledge of salvation, her knowledge of God's grace. Christ no longer is hidden. And all men are called to seek the treasure that He is. When Christ came, He came to the world. He didn't come hidden He didn't come hiding out. He came and he revealed himself to the world. We read in the New Testament things like this gospel that has been preached throughout the whole world. Back in the day, we're talking 2,000 years ago, they're talking about the gospel that has spread to the world. Christ came. He showed himself openly prior to his resurrection and after his resurrection. He didn't come hiding. He came openly. He's not hidden anymore. And that was revealed by the Spirit to his holy apostles and prophets that the Gentiles should be fellow heirs of the same body and partakers of his promise in Christ through the gospel. This is the mystery Let's go to 1 Corinthians chapter 1. I'm sorry, 1 Corinthians chapter 2. Let me read a scripture to you. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 6. However, we speak wisdom among those who are mature, yet not the wisdom of this age, nor of the rulers of this age, who are coming to nothing. 
But we speak the wisdom of God in a mystery, the hidden wisdom, which God ordained before the ages. When did God ordain this hidden wisdom? Before the ages. That means before the creation of time. Before the ages who are coming to nothing. I'm sorry, before the ages. Before the ages for our glory, which none of the rulers of this age knew, for had they known, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. But as it is written, I has not. Why didn't they know? Because I has not seen, nor ear heard, nor have entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for those who love him. This is what the rulers of the age did not know. What God has prepared for those who love him. Look at verse 10. But God has revealed them to us. Do you see the distinction? He's talking about those who are of this world system, of this age, and those who are of God. But God has revealed them to us who trust through his spirit. Paul speaks of this mystery, this mystery called the hidden wisdom that God ordained before the ages for our glory, which had the rulers of this world known, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. This hidden wisdom that no eye had seen, that no ear had heard, that had never entered into the heart of man, the things which God prepared before him for those that love him. These are the things that Paul's talking about in Ephesians chapter 1 and Ephesians chapter 2 that he's referencing here in this letter. That God chose us in him before the foundation of the world, having predestined us, foreordained us to adoption as sons, according to the good pleasure of his will, that he did this not just for Jews, but he did this for Gentiles also. And he did this while we were dead in our sin. He did this while we were opposed to him. So that we would never be able to say, look what we have done. We would never be able to boast, but our boast would only be in Jesus Christ. Colossians chapter 1 verses 26 and 27 says, The mystery is this, that salvation has come to both Jew and Gentile. Not to every single human, but to every part of humanity. That's what Jesus meant when he says that God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Whosoever. He loved the world. He loved Jew and he loved Gentile. That whosoever, whether they're Jew or Gentile, black or white or brown or red or yellow or male or female, young or old, rich and poor, it didn't matter. God brought salvation to the world and whoever in the world would believe would trust in Jesus would be saved if you trust in Jesus today you will be saved I don't care what your last name is I don't care where your parents your grandparents or your ancestors came from I don't care how much money you got in the bank I don't care Neither does God. If you will trust in Jesus, you will 
be saved. This is the one new man from both Jew and Gentile that Paul refers to in Ephesians 2.15. Paul says, this is the grace, this is the gospel that I became a minister of according to the gift of grace that God has given to me by the effective working of his power. Paul said, this was not what I did. This is what God did. Paul was a willing apostle but he was an apostle by the will of God. Paul was a willing minister, but he was a minister of the gospel by the will of God. He said, it's not according to my power, but it's according to his power. Church, do you understand this? That it's not according to your power, it's according to his power. You walk according to his power. You live according to his power. You are saved according to his power. You are preserved in that salvation according to, to his power are you walking willingly in that are you walking joyfully in that are you understanding the grace of God and what God has given you and are you rejoicing in that always regardless of your circumstances because your circumstances don't affect the grace of God, don't affect the salvation of God that's been given to you in Jesus Christ. That transcends everything. And whatever your journey on this earth brings to you, it is temporary when we talk in terms of our circumstances in this world. But who we are in Christ and what we have in Christ by God's grace is eternal. And nothing in this world and nothing of this world can take that away from you. You are safe and secure in Jesus.